So who is this person? It's John Chuckery. Are you sure? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at John Chuckery Show. Halfway home on this Thursday evening with you. 404-741-0929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Your Odyssey app is how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I am on Twitter at JMCH316. He is on Twitter at underscore Dylan Matthews. We'll get to our That's Life coming up here in uh, about 20 minutes from right now. We'll talk to Grant McCulley coming up at 1020 live. We'll actually talk to him live after he has dinner, drinks, a movie, and, you know, uh, gets back home. So... Um, I wonder what movie he's going to see or is seeing. I don't know. I I don't even know. Maybe it's New Ant-Man. Who knows? I've heard that wasn't very good either, by the way. That's a lie. Is it? Did you see it? I have. Okay. I I enjoyed it. Oh, well, yeah, but you don't count. I mean, that's you you enjoy every Marvel movie. So, yeah. Um, Anyway, so we'll talk to him coming up at uh, 1020. Um, You know, I, I looked at all of this. Early in the season, I think even before the midway point, I was looking at all this when the Hawks started piling up injuries and different things like that. And this is based upon the number of games. And I got, I've got six guys. I got DeJounte, Trey, John Collins, Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter, and Bogey. Okay. Based upon the number of games that they have played so far so far this season and what they project to. So you do the percentage of games played and then multiply it by 82. And, you know, that's kind of the pace that they're on, right? We all understand how this, this math works. So DeJounte Murray, because here's what we do know. John Collins is now out on Friday. So we know he's not playing tomorrow. He's in concussion protocol. So he has officially been ruled out already before we even get to the season. And I'm scratching my head because it's this, you know, one thing after another. But anyway, so this is where the Hawks' projection of games played is. DeJounte Murray is on pace for 75 games this season. So that's a pretty good number. I can I can live with all of that. I can I can live with DeJounte Murray playing 75 games. Trey Young, 72 games. I can live with Trey Young. He gets beat up, banged up, and all that kind of stuff. I can live with Trey Young playing 72 games. So, you know, that would be a 10 games missed. He's missed um, seven games thus far. Um, DeJounte Murray has missed five games thus far. Then you get into the next group of guys, okay? John Collins is on pace, and I factored in tomorrow night. So he has only played so far this season in 50 games, but he's going to miss tomorrow. So he's he's already missed 10 games. So based upon that pace, he's at 68 games. Not acceptable. DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter has played one less game than John Collins has this year. He's on pace for 68 games. Not enough. And Clint Capella 
who has played 43 games, is on pace for 60. So what did we talk about before the season started and through the early part of the year? That these guys have to be healthy. And we've seen that, you know, they're 19 and 11 when they all five starters play together. They're really good offensively. I gave it a stat the other night that among five guys who've played at least 300 minutes together, they have the best defensive rating of any team. And there's 14 of those teams that have five starters that have played at least 300 minutes. The Hawks are the best defensive team. Now, I guess you can manipulate numbers any way you want, but still, when their five are on the floor, they're really good. They have a really good starting five. I've said how many times? A thousand times. They can play with anybody at their starting five. If you could have their starting five play 48 minutes a night and they can keep on the court, their starting five can play with anybody. But where it starts to get sideways is when you start having all of these games missed. And 68 for Collins, 68 for Hunter, 60 for Capella. It ain't enough. And that's why you get into trouble with this group. Bogey, the maximum number of games he could play because of all the time that he missed in the, early in the season, the maximum amount, if he plays every game starting on Friday all the way through the end of the season with no injuries, okay? So Bogey can't get hurt the rest of the way. Even his number is only 57 games. For arguably your best player off your bench or at least your best scorer off your bench. So you're... Sixth man, if you will, is going to max out. And that's if he doesn't get hurt. That's if he doesn't miss another game of these 23 the rest of the way. It comes out to 57 games. And you wonder why that the Hawks get into trouble in all this stuff. And it's not that I don't like A.J. Griffin or a Kongwu or the Holiday, uh, or Jalen Johnson. But those guys are backups for a reason. A and those guys aren't supposed to play 38, 39, 40 minutes a night. And that's where this team, for two years now, you know, last year it was all kinds of things. COVID and this and that and everything. It's too many games when you look at where this team is. First off, they're not the deepest team. So they're, it's imperative that their starting five stays on the court. And I understand missing some games. I, I can live with the idea of you miss some games. Like DeJounte Murray on pace for 75 games. Trey Young on pace for 72 games. I can live with that. But when you start getting below 70 games played, that's a problem. When your first number of games played is a five or a six, that's problematic. And those guys not being on the court, again, what did we say? What have we been preaching all week long, 
all the last couple of weeks. It's everybody's fault. From coaching to players to stars to the beer vendor to Bob Rathburn to Lauren Jabara, it's every, everybody's at fault here. And part of this fault is injuries to these guys. Not being able to stay healthy and not playing enough games over the course of the season. And it's it's going to be imperative down the stretch because the Hawks are coming into this last 23 games of the season with what is projected to be the third toughest remaining schedule in the NBA. It's not going to be easy. And there are teams directly above you and teams directly behind you that you're going to have to beat head-to-head to, if nothing else, just stay in that eight seed. And that's why I said, look, if they could go 13-10 and 10 over the next 23 games, I'll take that because that probably keeps them in that eight to maybe nine range. I don't think they fall out of a nine seed, but three games above 500 – and they finish the year two games overall above 500. That's probably about the eighth seed. Assuming somebody doesn't get hot out of nowhere. Because it's Washington and Brooklyn and the Celtics and the Sixers and the Miami Heat. You know, you, you get fortunate because you don't have to play Charlotte. You don't have to play the Knicks. You don't play Toronto anymore. You got one with Detroit. You got to go to the Western Conference teams, but you're playing San Antonio. They're not a very good team. You're playing Minnesota. They ain't, they ain't the best. But you do have Golden State, Memphis. So those teams that you got to play from the Western Conference, at least they come to your building. But if we look up in the end of the year and it's – 68 games for Hunter, 68 games for Collins, 60 games for Capella, 57 games for Bogey. That's also part of why you're in the shape that you're in. You can't absorb that many games lost by not one, not two, three of your starters and the first option off your bench or one of the first options off your bench. And, you know, Bogey missed that whole time at the beginning of the year where, you know, we were told, well, it's going to be a week or two, and then it ended up being a month and a half or whatever. So, this, so again, when we talk about how everything has been a problem for the Atlanta Hawks, this is one of those things. This is one of those things. This is part of the problem. You can't stay healthy night in, night out. I think I think one night, did we not have four starters out? I think one night, there was one night in particular that we had four starters out. But we've played several times with two starters, a few times with three, and one time with four. You can't do that in the NBA. You, you don't have, and especially, let's be honest, okay, when you don't have a great bench and your owner's not going to go in the luxury tax to just spend, 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 and get more players in, it's going to hamstring you. So 
we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll 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 monitor this evolving, you know, ever ever evolving situation into what this is. But I have a feeling that we're going to look up and three of your five starters are going to have games played with a six again. And that's just not enough. Just not enough games for these guys to play. All right, that's life coming back. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 9th of the Game, the Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. This party's going to rock. Make some noise. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back with you on the John Chuckery Show. 921, live from the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. To be a part of the show, Odyssey apps how you catch us on the go. Social media is at 9 the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At JMCH316, at underscore Dylan Knapp. Let's get their top ten here in uh, just a couple of minutes. Um, Dylon, I gave you a homework assignment. Um, you sure did. So they had this picture, and the reason I gave it to you uh, is because it, it's ranking the... It's ranking the MCU movies past Avengers Endgame. So yes, the, all the movies that have been since Avengers Endgame. So it's Black Widow, mm-hmm. Shang Chi, yep, The Eternals, yep, Spiderman. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that? Tahor. Uh, no, no, Spiderman. What is that called? A new, a new home? Or oh, a, no way home. No, no way, way home. home. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Strange, Love. Yep. Tahor. <laughs> Uh, Black Panther and Ant-Man. Yes. So I'm assuming, because I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen a single one of these movies. The only one out of this list I haven't seen, and I'm hoping, I've been trying, quick story behind this actually. So apparently the new Black Panther movie is kind of sad, obviously because of, you know, they're honoring Chadwick Boseman in this, and it's just, it has a sad connotation to it. I have not seen it, so I cannot speak to it, but everything I've heard about it and people who have seen it who I trust, they have said it is a kind of sad movie. Right. I've not seen it yet. I've been trying to watch it, but, you know, obviously my girlfriend, Simone, when I'm like, hey, can we watch tonight? She's like, I don't want to go to bed after watching a sad movie. So I'm like, okay, whatever. She wants to watch it during the daytime. So I've been limited to my, you know. Now, do do all of these movies, mm-hmm. you, so that's the only one you haven't seen, right? Yes, I've seen okay. the rest of these. Now, do all of them have an end credit scene? Yes. Okay. All right. Because I was curious as to Yes, they all do. Um, all right. How would you rank those movies? Okay. How I rank these movies? And nope. let's say Wakanda Forever is last only because that, that's I have it last. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's how I ranked it. Number one, most definitely Spider-Man No Way Home. It's entertaining. It pushes the overall plot of the MCU, the Marvel Universe with the multiverse. They really begin to introduce the multiverse and what it can do. Um, And they have all the other Spider-Mans in there. They have the past Sam Raimi Spider-Man villains in there and and Spider-Man. I was going to say, they got all the villains in there too, right? Yep. Yep. So Spider-Man No Way Home is number one for me. Number two, Doctor Strangelove. Again, That movie actually really introduces the multiverse first. They travel through the multiverse. 
Um, Wanda is the villain. It's got Wanda in it and all that kind of stuff. It's got Wonka vision and all that kind of stuff. It introduces a new hero as well. Spoiler, if you have it, America Chavez. It introduces a new hero, one of the young adventures. Um, So introduces that. Just overall very entertaining. And it connects to the Disney Plus series What If. Yeah, Yeah, we'll move along. We got to speed it along here. All right, so number two, Doctor Strange. Number three. This is a sleeper one. Eternals is actually really good. Hmm. Now, I can see why people think it's boring. Well, I could watch Angelina Jolie and Selma Hayek all day long, so. <laughs> people. Uh, oh, pe- sorry. Oh. <laughs> you mean there's another reason to mo- watch yeah, that movie? They were actually covered up in that movie. Oh, dang. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was actually really good. They people- didn't come out of the water or anything? Nah, none of that. People say, people say it was boring, but for, like, Marvel purist it was actually really informative really entertaining so i got eternals actually ranked third on this list number four ant-man um quantumania wow, okay yep so ant-man comes number four again really entertaining pushes the overall story of the we mcu got it. We got it. We yes got it. Keep all going. that okay keep going number four i mean so number four is ant-man we got, we got other stuff we got to do here in the segment so number five is thor love and thunder uh, i liked it uh, again Pushes the kind of the overall story. And number I get, six, and, and I understand Christian Bale was really good as the villain. He was, yes. he was excellent. And, and actually, they could have like Christian Bale. I told you that he 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 wanted to make that character even more violent and darker than what it was. Yeah, and that would have been great. Yep, because they could have pushed that further if they yep. wanted to. But he was still excellent. Okay, so number five, Thor. Number six, Black Widow. It has nothing to do – it doesn't push the plot any further, but it's a good standalone story. It goes into our background. It, it, it's good. It's, it's that, and then it also – it, ha- it, it in the timeline of the MCU, mm-hmm. it happens after she leaves the, the Winter Soldier. Correct. Um, so when she, This is after Civil when War. She, when, 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 no, no, no. It's, it's Winter Soldier. Oh, Winter Soldier. Yeah, right, 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 when right. They're at, when, they're, when they're, like, saying that um, – Samuel L. Jackson, what's the guy's name? Uh, Nick Fury yeah. is dead. That's and at right. At the grave, yeah. He says, "Well, I'll see you later," and all that kind of stuff. That's right. Because they kind of go into hiding. Exactly. That's where the story picks up. That's with right. Black Widow. That's right. Um, so yeah, I got that one at number six. Number seven, Shang Chi. It's a good standalone. It's entertaining. It's not bad, but I have it ranked lower, just because. I that movie was pretty good. Actually, it was good, but it just like people said, Eternals was boring. Shang Chi wasn't boring, but. It was more boring than Eternals was, in my opinion, but that's just me. But I did like Shang-Chi. It was a, it was a nice movie. Number eight is Black Panther, just because I haven't seen it yet. Probably yep. higher on the list, but I haven't seen it. All right. Um, so I sent you another one of these pictures. Yes. Two have to go forever. Mm-hmm. Two have to go forever. Pizza. Yep. Ice cream. Fries. Cookies. Chips. Cake. Chocolate. Cheeseburger, soda. So which two do you pick that has to go forever? One was easy, soda. I don't even drink soda anymore. It's yeah. terrible and, for my face. That's, like that was that's on my list because I haven't drank easy. A, I, I, I'll I'll be honest with you, it was it's probably been since early December that I had a soda. So I, I'm with you. I'm right there yep. with you. So soda, that's easy. Two was a little hard, but I chose chips just because. Really? Yeah, like. I got fries. I got my other potato intakes. Like I'm, I'm good on chips. I don't eat chips. I don't even really eat chips that often anymore. Um, mine was chocolate. Really? Yeah. Just like if it's because like this picture's got like, like a chocolate square, chocolate bar, and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I could do without that. 
I, oh, I could no, I could man. very easily live without that. I need my Hershey's with, with you, almonds. To, to be honest with you, yeah. Um, the the other one that I was real close on would have been cookies. Really? Yeah, because I could. I, I could had cookies today. Cookies. Yeah, I could I could do without cookies. So there you go. Uh, but yes, we we both agree on soda. Yes, I'm good on that. All right. Did you see R. Kelly got 20 years added to his sentence? Um, the judge didn't give him life in prison, but after he serves the 30 years. The judge added they they added twenty more years now onto his sentence. Wow! So he ain't getting out anytime soon. And he you know not. what? You know what? I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll be the bad guy. I'll be the heel. He deserves every bit of it. Yeah. He deserves every bit of it for the way he's lived his life. I don't feel sorry in the least for R. Kelly. All right. Today is Dakota Fanning's birthday, and. She's one of the great child actresses, I believe, uh, of all time. So, with that, tonight's top ten list, our top ten favorite child actors or actresses, Dylan, the floor is yours. All right. To start things off, you got to go with Jaleel White. You got to go yeah, with Steve Urkel. I did. I mean, I had, Urkel, I on my, I had, I had Urkel on my list as well. Absolutely. What Good. was that? Friday night's. Family Matters, right? Wasn't mm-hmm. that Friday nights, you know, yep. and all that? Yeah, I I had Urkel on my list as well. Got to have him on there. Next, I'm going to go with uh, some of the Harry Potter crew. I'm going to go with really? Emma Watson. Okay. Yep. I'm going to go dear, uh, Daniel Radcliffe because, I mean, like, they were my childhood. Like, See, watching I, them. I'll be honest with you. I, I have never read or watched a movie in the Harry Pooper series. That really? I've never seen any of the Harry Pooper movies. That's crazy. Yeah. None? Never seen a Harry Never seen a movie, movie or a book? Nope. Wow. Nope. Okay. And my daughter's not a fan either because I asked her, I said, do you like Harry Potter? You know, because we'll mm-hmm. go to that thing that they've got, that exhibition. Because they keep sending me stuff about media tours and all that kind of stuff or whatever like that. But I've never watched a Harry Pooper film. Wow. Okay. Man, that's, they're good movies. I mean, if you ever have a minute, you should, you should go back and nah, watch. I'm not. I'm good. <laughs> I'm okay. Good. Next, I'm going to go with uh, Miley Cyrus on Hannah Montana. I was okay. actually a faithful watcher, Hannah Montana. I'm not afraid mm-hmm. to admit it. So I got Hannah Montana. I'm going to group the uh, I'm going to group the Olsen twins together, Mary Kate and Ashley, because didn't they both play on Full House? Well, or, yes. Didn't they I take mean, turns? They, they no. Well, they used they on, there was only one that was on camera, but okay. obviously they were twins. They would swap them in and out and things like that. Gotcha. But there was only ever yeah, one, one on at camera. a time. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I meant. Okay, cool. So I got Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. I got Macaulay Culkin as well. Yeah, of he played, course. You got to have him on yeah, there. Of I course. mean, Home Alone. I yes. mean, he was. I mean, he's the dude yeah. on Home Alone. And what? What else? What? What else? Oh, man, there's another. Um, Oh, gosh. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out while you go through your list. Okay. Uh, another one I'm going to put on there, Lindsay Lohan. She she mm-hmm. was in a couple of good movies. Never really a TV series, but The Parent Trap, uh, Freaky Friday. She, she was, was a little bit older in Freaky McCauley Friday. McCullough was also in the black and white video for Michael Jackson. He was? And Yes, he was wow. in that. And then, um, uh, oh, gosh. Uh, I know he was in the Richie Rich movies. Um, I'm thinking of I, I know he's in... Oh, my girl is the other one, but he was in a few. Besides Home Alone, he was in a few movies. But he was in the black and white video for Michael Jackson. He's got the glasses and he raps and all that kind of stuff in the middle in the middle break of it. All right, I'm gonna group another two together. They were on screen at the same time, but uh, I'm gonna group them together. Um, Dylan and Cole Sprouse, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. 
I don't know what that is. It was a, it was a show on Disney Channel. Okay. It, was, it, was, it was you know it was after you would have stopped watching cartoons. Damn. But Dylan and Cole Sprout, Sweet Life is Zach and Cody. Um, also, Tyler James Williams. He was on. He was the kid, the main character in Everybody Hates Chris. He was Chris. Okay. Everybody. Well, ha- what does Everybody Hates Chris? Uh, the 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 um, the. It came on. Nickelodeon, Nick at Night, uh, Chris Rock, the about him okay. as a child. It was the okay. sitcom as his much. Okay. Him as a child. I don't know that one either. And then last but not least, gotta go Raven Simone. That's oh, so okay. Raven. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we used to watch when my daughter was younger. We used to watch that. Now I've got so Raven Simone mm-hmm. was on the Cosby Show. She well, I forgot. Yes. I always forget she was on the Cosby because, Show too. She was so cute on the Cosby because Show. Because I have Keisha Knight Pulliam. Oh, uh, who was on the Cosby good pull. Show? Who good pull. Was you know had was pregnant, had a kid by Ed Hartwell, the famous Atlanta Falcon that played so well here. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, I've got Emmanuel Lewis Webster. Oh who yeah, I, who I still think lives in Georgia. Does he not? I think Emmanuel Lewis lives in Georgia. Okay, he used to live in Georgia. Um, certainly Gary Coleman. I mean, yeah. Different Strokes was a was one of my childhood shows. Like that was. That was a great show, but Gary Coleman, uh, what you talking about, Willis? Um, Haley Joel Osment was fantastic in the um, oh god the what's the what's the what's the Shamalama Ding Dong movie with Bruce Willis? Shamalama Ding um, Dong. Yeah, the the uh, M Night Shyamalan. Um, oh god, the movie where he sees dead people. Um, oh gosh, now now my brain just went dead. So. Um, but he was fantastic in that in that movie. What what is that movie? M Night Shyamalan, Bruce Willis, Haley Joel Osment. Hold please as we as we check on all of that. All right, can you not find it? Is it Glass? No, the the Sixth Sense. Jeez, I I gotcha. I was looking, man. I, I didn't know. <laughs> You just found it. See, I did see the Sixth Sense come up, but I didn't think it was that one. I almost I, said I that. I need a Sixth Sense to get through this last <laughs> hour and a half here. Um, so I've got him. I'm going to um, Kirsten Dunst. She was fantastic in Interview with the Vampire. So she oh. was in the first Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man. Right, right. So she was, in, she, she was Mary Jane. Yeah, she was MJ. But she was fantastic in Vampire Diaries when she was really young. Uh, fantastic actress. Didn't know I that. did have Dakota Fanning because she was awesome in Man on Fire. Like she was in Man on Fire, that the kid that um, Denzel Washington was taking care of and her, was her bodyguard and all that good kind of stuff. I have her on the list. And then my from my teenage years, Molly Ringwald, who was in every '80s teenage movie, Breakfast Club. Um, not Vision Quest, uh, Breakfast Club, um, oh, God, 16 Candles. Like, she was in all of those movies, the red-headed girl from the 1980s. So that was, like, one of the teenage girls that I, I was always watching all of her movies back in that time. So Did you uh, – was it your time when uh, Shirley Temple was on? Uh, no, that no. was freaky. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> when we get back, we'll hear from Jason Longshore – Previewing Atlanta United for us as we get ready for action on Saturday night. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 910 Game, Odyssey.com app.
John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios. Thursday evening with you. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. The Odyssey app is how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am at JMCH316 on Twitter. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. Well, we get ready for Atlanta United as the home opener. The season opener starts all up on Saturday evening. This man will be part of the call as we head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Jason Longshore is joining us. Color analyst for all things Atlanta United. He will be on the call Saturday night, pregame at 7 o'clock, kick at 7.30. He and Mike uh, Mike Connie will have uh, the call for all the action as uh, Atlanta United gets cranked up this season. Jason is on Twitter, by the way, at Longshoe. Jason, good evening to you as we get ready to embark on another season here of the uh, Atlanta United Club. Season number seven. It feels like it was yesterday. It's just crazy to think that we're going into year seven now already. So we, I heard Mike, uh, Mike Connie this morning. He was on with, with the Freaky Deaky Show, and he went all hot take Tommy on, uh, on us. He, he said this morning that Tialga Almada may be the best player in MLS is he very far off on that? Because that seems like a really good sign if he is the best player in MLS. No, I don't think so. I thought the second half of last season, Tiago Almada was the best player in MLS. I think it took him a little bit of time, as you see with any adjustment to a new style of play in a league. Not the style of play in the team. That That is just always a, a change. Any any sport, any player who leaves a team goes to another year, just into the coach or just into the locker room adjusting to your teammates that's normal but I think the thing about this sport that maybe is unique when we're talking about our major sports in the U.S. team sports anyway league to league when you you move from another league the styles are very different the way the game is refereed is very different you know what's what gets reactions from the crowd is very different so it, it takes a little bit of time and major league soccer is a more physically demanding league than a lot of leagues around the world. And it's a more physically demanding league than the Argentine league where Tiago Almada had played more transition. So more back and forth end to end kind of action. The Argentine league is very physical in terms of, of fouling and, and, and kicking and grabbing and that side of things, but it's not a transition based league like MLS is. You don't have as many teams that press, like Philadelphia, Cincinnati, the Red Bulls, that doesn't happen in Argentina, really. So it took him a little bit of time to adjust. And I thought once he did, about midway through, you know, you could look down the stretch at how many big goals or big chances he created. I thought Thiago Almada was that best player in the league in the second half, and that's what earned him the call-up to the Argentine national team for the World Cup when the spot opened up. Jason, I was looking at the uh, MLS power rankings for what they're worth here in, in preseason, but <laughs> what, uh, you know, it's like everything else. I mean, you know, just, you know, you take them for what they are. But what does Atlanta, I mean, they have Atlanta United 15th in, in MLS. What do you think is the key for Atlanta United to be 
in the upper echelon of either the Eastern Conference or MLS as a whole, what's going to be the real key for this season going into this year? Personally, I think they're banging on that door already. Um, There was an anonymous survey of chief soccer officers, general managers around the league. 20 people out of the 29 in the league were surveyed by the Athletic. And Philadelphia received the most votes as a team that will win MLS Cup, 10 of the 20. Atlanta United was second with three. Hmm. But the thing is, Atlanta three, Austin two, LAFC two, LA Galaxy two, anybody else got one. So I think what, what that tells you is, one, I don't think they're the 15th best team in the league. I think they are a team that can compete for MLS Cup straight out of the gate. But I also think this league is more competitive than maybe it's ever been from top to bottom. Philadelphia, with how close they were last year, coming just short, and I think improving their team, to be honest, in the offseason. They're the favorite going in. They're the favorite in the East. They're the favorite in the league. Beyond that, it is wide open. And I think for Atlanta United to get to where they want to, which is lifting trophies in, in, in 2023 and beyond, they've got to eliminate the mistakes defensively individually i don't think it's a system thing i think it's more of the individual mistakes we saw last year a lot of that is down to the back line changing game to game it felt like with the injuries they dealt with and missing brad kazan's leadership in the back that's going to change this year walking in the door so that's a big help and converting chances you know you look back at last season atlanta united created chances at a very high clip they had plenty of shots not always the highest percentage shots they settled for Shots from distance a little too often, but being more efficient and finishing chances in the final third, the number one thing that will elevate them is eliminating those individual mistakes defensively. Jason Longshore joining us here in the waitfor.com hotline, color analyst for all things Atlanta United as they get ready to get cranked up on Saturday against San Jose pregame at 7 o'clock, kick at 7.30. He and uh, Mike, uh, Mike Connie will have the call for all of that. Uh, Yakamakis is having some visa issues. I guess two-part question here. So how likely is it that 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 gets resolved by the time that they are ready to go on Saturday? And is this still fallout from COVID? Or, like, why are we still having visa issues in the year 2023 of our Lord? Uh, you got to ask some people who are way above my pay grade on the visa issue and why we're doing it. Um, it's always been there. I, I think the timing is actually kind of back to normal. I remember, he wasn't signed that long ago. I, I think, you know, Luis Abram was signed just a little bit before Yakimakis, and he got his work visa late last week, so he was able to participate in the game in St. Louis, the closed-door scrimmage. The timelines would match up for Yakimakis to possibly get his visa at this point um we talked to garth Lagerway last night on my soccer down here uh show we did a town hall from wild deep brewing uh and Lagerway put it at i think 30 70 that it would come through that was last night i don't know if there's been any movement in that i, I don't know the process but if he's available, I know the, the general thinking has been that he would not play any part in the game even if he gets the work visa at the stage. I think he would. I don't know if he starts, but I think he would be part of it. Um, you'd love for him to be part of the group and have him available to come off the bench if needed in that game. But 
We just have to wait and see across our fingers that uh, the government can process paperwork fast enough. Health-wise, everybody in good shape coming out of all the friendlies and everything? Everybody up, you know, and ready to go for Saturday night? Yeah, I think in general, I think it's about normal. Uh, Machoke Chol had an injury in the AmFam Cup game against Toluca. He is out with a hamstring for this week. Uh, Tyler Wolf had a shoulder injury, suffered with the, the U-20 national team, so he's out. Derek Etienne has been training with the team for about a week and a half, according to Gonzalo Pineda. Uh, he did play a part in that game in St. Louis last Saturday. I don't know if he's ready to start yet. And then it's not an injury issue. It's just more of a timing issue. Luis Abram, I mentioned he played in St. Louis, but it was he played a part in that second half. He's been training maybe a little bit less than Etienne, and he hasn't played 90 minutes since last October. So asking Abram to be able to play 90 is a huge ask at this stage and just where he is. Can he play? Yes. Can he start? I don't know. That feels like a coin flip to me. Uh, Juanjo Barata and Miles Robinson have been starting for the majority of the preseason. That's kind of where my gut feeling is, unless Abram's fitness is just at a point where he, they feel he can go at least 60 minutes. We obviously don't see San Jose more than never. Um, we know that they're we know that they're one of the worst teams in MLS, and and obviously coming you know West Coast to East Coast certainly has to favor Atlanta United. But I, I guess I'll ask it this way: Is there anything they do well? Yeah, actually, this is a much better San Jose team than they were last year. Last year, the the storyline for their season was they, they walked in the door with Matias Almeida disgruntled as the manager. He had wanted a, an extension. They weren't going to give him that. He wanted more resources put into the team. They weren't going to spend the money. So he was grumbling, I think, from day one of preseason last year. And seven games in, they decided that was enough. So then they went to an interim manager in Alex Covello. Almeida's style and, and system and game model was very specific. Uh, idiosyncratic would maybe be a, a polite way to put it. Um, it's not something that you can really readily change on the fly very easily. And I think the, the Quakes kind of suffered being a little bit of an in-between team last year. Almeida was gone. They weren't going to continue with that style. They couldn't really change it. They should have done it before the season, to be honest. They didn't, and they paid the price last year. Now, coming into this year, they have Luchi Gonzalez, who had some success at Dallas uh, as a manager. Before losing the gig there, he went to join the U.S. men's national team as an assistant, finished up the World Cup, took over in San Jose. He's got a really good front four. Uh, not any massive big-time stars in that group, but a lot of speed. Christian Espinosa on the right wing, very good cutting inside. He's a double-digit goal assist guy. Jeremy Abobasi had 17 goals last year, even on a bad team. What let them down was defense. And they added Jonathan Mensah, who used to captain Columbus. They added him in the preseason. But he hasn't played a, a full half, I don't think, with San Jose yet. So is he ready to be the leader on that back line? Goalkeeper's a question. Both fullback positions are a question. One of the center back spots is a question with Mensa. He'll take it when he's ready, but I don't know if he's ready yet. So attacking-wise, midfield-wise, this is a pretty decent San Jose team to maybe very good in the midfield. But defensively, there's still a lot of questions. And new coach, new style, how long does it take for that to really hit, hit its stride?
So when I look at the schedule, four of the uh, four of the first six games, or four of the first six matches are at home, and then the other two. I mean, you've got a road trip to Charlotte, which is a taxi ride. So, you know, when you look at this schedule, it does look like that there's some opportunity, especially because you're playing at home, to get off to a good start. And and you know, one of the things I've said about the Atlanta Hawks is. They haven't taken advantage of any point of their schedule. They haven't been great at home. They haven't taken advantage of bad teams when they played them. Even though, you know, it's new roster, new players, guys coming back and all this kind of stuff that coming back from injury and all this kind of stuff. But how important is the first stretch of the year to take advantage of this schedule with four of the six matches at home, you know, with, you know, the the two road trips, one is Charlotte, so, you know, how how key is it for this group to get off to a good start and take advantage of their schedule? Very important. And it is going to be interesting to see how they do it because without Etienne in preseason for the majority of it, without Yakimakis at all up to this point, that's two of your front four that, that haven't played with the other two who have been really good in preseason and Thiago Almada and Luis Araujo. So that's chemistry. It takes some time to build. You're going to be doing that on the fly. So while I'm not expecting the rhythm on the ball to maybe be where it it will be in a couple months, it will be in the summer, I do think they can get wins early on. It's not because of the opponents not being strong. It's because what Gonzalo Pineda believes in style-wise, and I think he's got the players to really do it here, is if his team doesn't have the ball, he wants them to press high, and he wants them to create turnovers. He doesn't want them to, if they lose possession in the attacking half, to drop and just get numbers behind the ball and just try to clog passing lanes up and that sort of thing. He doesn't want that. He wants them to work hard to win the ball back in the attacking half. Because if you do, shorter distance to goal, the other team is all discombobulated, you have opportunities to take advantage. Luis Araujo thrives in that. Derek Etienne thrives in that. Yakimakis, I think, will be a great fit in that system. And then with Almada and the midfield kind of behind it, I think they're going to get a lot of turnovers and quick opportunities to go to goal. So while the rhythm might not be there early and the, the 10, 12, 15 pass sequences might not be where they will be later, I think there will be goals. It's just down to not making individual mistakes defensively and managing the moments in the game. You get a lead. Be smart. Keep possession a little bit. Knock the ball around. Keep it safe and get your bearings as this team builds its chemistry. Another season of Atlanta United Soccer kicks off Saturday night. Pre-game at 7 o'clock. Kick at 7.30 against the San Jose Earthquakes. Not Typhoon and Earthquake, the natural disasters. Uh, the great tag team. Uh, do you remember those guys, Jason? Do you remember the natural disasters? Oh, yeah. No, I remember those guys. Okay. All right. Jason Longshore will be part of the call, along with Mike uh, Mike Connie, and uh, everything gets kicked off at seven o'clock as uh, another season opens up for Atlanta United. Jason is always, by the way, Jason's on Twitter at Longshoe. Jason is always my friend. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks uh, so much, and uh, we'll chat again here soon. Yeah, be talking soon. Thanks for having me.